Welcome to Talk Nation Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. It is my great privilege to welcome to Talk Nation Radio this week, Claire Daly. Claire Daly is an Irish politician who has been a member of the European Parliament from Ireland since July of this year. She is a member of Independence for Change, part of the European United Left Nordic Green Left. She served as a Takdadala, if I'm pronouncing that right, or a member of Ireland's Parliament from 2011 to 2019. Claire Daly will be speaking at the No War 2019 conference and rally being planned by World Beyond War for Limerick, Ireland on October 5th and 6th. Claire Daly, welcome to Talk Nation Radio. Thanks very much, David. My pleasure. Uh, Thanks for coming on and for everything you're doing. Uh, You've long been opposed, I think, to the U.S. military using Shannon Airport, and you've even been arrested for trying to inspect the planes. Uh, But you're a legislator. Is is the U.S. military's use of Ireland legal? Yeah, well, look, this is something that we have tried before the courts, I suppose, like everything else, the courts are, are, are political in some ways as well, and, and nobody wants to offend the United States. My assertion would be that it's a, a clear breach of a country that's supposed to be neutral, but we have, I suppose, what we call a kind of an Irish solution to an Irish problem. They say, oh, look at these planes that are coming through. They're not breaching our neutrality, sure. They're not carrying any guns. They're not carrying any weapons, but we know that to be nonsense, and we've actually demonstrated before the courts that that is not the case. In fact, at the moment, there are two uh, U.S. veterans confined to Ireland, basically interned in Ireland, because they came over on Patrick's Day to search a couple of uh, U.S. planes, got arrested and their passports taken, and uh, awaiting trial at the moment, and they can't even go home to spend time with their families, even though they're aged 82 and 77. So... I would say it's not legal, but unfortunately the the courts haven't really upheld that view. Yes, and and Ken Mayers and Tarek Kauf uh, will be on a future week of this show and will be speaking at the No War 2019 conference as well. Um, The the, the guns uh, has pretty well been established that they've always got guns, if not other weapons, uh, and that means uh, the claims that it's it's not infringing on neutrality aren't true. Uh, Yeah, I mean, what they do, they, they, they kind of say, oh, it's the military planes that don't carry that, but of course they carry the troops on civilian aircraft then that are covered by other legislation, and they say that the guns are... Uh, in the hold, but we know from Tarek and Ken and obviously from other people that that's not true. U.S. servicemen and women carry their guns with them, you know. Why, why is everyone so afraid of offending the United States government? What's what's wrong with offending the United States government? Well, I know exactly, but uh, it's uh, money talks, isn't it, Prophet, the great uh, equaliser? I mean, really, Ireland and the political establishment in Ireland um, having fought, I suppose, for 800 years to get rid of British imperialists, kind of bows to American imperialism now. They would sell anything for the sake of a few multinational jobs and anything that is sort of seen to jeopardise that, um, even though the use of, of the airport by the military shouldn't, uh, but they see that as being linked. So they're afraid for economic reasons, really, um, yeah. to jeopardize that's what they call special relationship which is ludicrous so they play this game because they know the irish public actually are very 
fond of our neutrality. We really like that idea. I mean, for years to have an Irish passport, you could go anywhere. Everybody liked you and you could kind of play a role on the world stage way beyond what a small country, you know, could. And I think that can be a really positive sort of message for world relations, for peace. Uh, But they've kind of seemed hell-bent on blowing it in terms of their use of Shannon, but now increasingly going along with the European agenda towards the European army and the increased militarization of the EU, which is kind of scary as well. If so, so Ireland has a certain power globally, uh, if it's understood as neutral, uh, couldn't it, ha- couldn't there be economic advantages as well to being, to being neutral? Wouldn't you think? We're the ones who should be in power, I think. Absolutely. And given the uh, uh, world juncture at the moment, it could be a really positive position for Ireland to be putting forward. But unfortunately, we haven't done that. We have, in effect, taken sides. And generally, they kind of come out with this nonsense. Oh, we have to be seen to be standing beside our friends or backing up our friends. And the kind of implication being is, well, if only some people are your friends, then the others are your enemy, which is... uh, ridiculous really but uh, that's the direction unfortunately uh, that they've been going in and in some ways while the uh, Brexit debate and the likelihood now of of Britain leaving the European Union actually will accelerate the move towards the European army because Britain was uh, you know very adamant on maintaining the NATO relationship with the US was a certain block against Germany and France's move to a European army but if they leave, which they probably will, um, the move to a European army, which is already well underway, will most definitely accelerate. And ironically, the Irish government, rather than playing an independent role in that, have kind of gone along with saying, oh God, we have to kind of, we owe it now to the Europeans as well. They're standing behind us now if, if Britain leaves and they're kind of fighting Ireland's corner in the EU debate. Well then, sure, look, we'll have to be friendly with them now. And, uh, sell out our neutrality on that. But again, as I say, it's something that they play a duplicitous game with because they would never, ever come out and openly say that because they know that the Irish public will go mad. So they they do this doublespeak, then they say one thing and do the other, which is is regrettable. And that's why I think conferences uh, like the, the World Beyond War one coming up are going to be really important to try and highlight a lot of what's going on. You, you know, a couple years ago, the Irish ambassador to the United States was here in Charlottesville, Virginia, at the University of Virginia, and I had a chance to question her at a public event, and I asked her how it could possibly be uh, neutral, how Ireland could be complying with the law, how it could be legal for all of these U.S. troops and weapons to be going through Shannon Airport. Uh, and I don't think her answer was something that the Irish public would love, but uh, what she said was, oh, we've asked the U.S. government if it's legal uh, at the highest levels. I don't know if that means Donald Trump or who that means. Uh, we, we've asked the U.S. government at the highest levels, and they've told us it's legal. So that's yeah. good enough for us. That, that was her answer. Well, it's incredible. I mean, we know from WikiLeaks and and some of the cables there, and we actually used some of that information in our trial when, like Ken and Tarek, we went in to to try and search planes ourselves, and we were arrested a number of years ago. There was a a three-day trial before the courts, which raised a lot of this type of, of information, and we used the WikiLeaks cables in that, where 
the Irish government at one stage, um, you know, at the height of the Iraq war, more or less said to the Americans, listen, I mean, could you organise a few? Uh, could we agree to search a few just to make it kind of look good, you know? Uh, and would you awfully mind if we if we kind of did that? Like, you know, now they were told to shove it and that never happened, like, you know, but that'll tell you the servility uh, of the Irish ministers in, in going to US officials. And the cables, of course, are very upfront that they see Shannon as a kind of a, a vital cog in the uh, activity that goes on uh, in the Middle East with the US military very involved in that. And as I say, veterans for peace and other veterans who've been involved sure have, have told us uh, about transiting through there. And um, yes, uh, it's, it's, it's incredible, really, you know, the deferential relationship that they have with the American establishment. We are speaking with Claire Daly, member of the European Parliament from Ireland. Uh, Claire, what what was the outcome? What was the penalty, if any, uh, of your being arrested? And what do you think will happen uh, to Ken and Tarek? Yeah, well, I mean, in our case, we were um, fined, I think, three or four thousand euros or something, which we refused to pay. Uh, we then got a, a sentence of a month in prison uh, in, in, in lieu of that. Um, but the way the prison system works in Ireland, and unlike Port Ken and Tarek, in our case, now we were two members of the Irish Parliament at the time, uh, and they were getting a lot of publicity because of that, but we actually only served about six hours in prison because uh, in Ireland, for a non-payment of fines, they just don't have the rule of prison, so they kind of just bring you in and let you out. And of course, when when that happened in our case, and everybody found out that that's what happens is... Uh, caused a run on non-payment of fines and, and forced the government to change the legislation that they dock the money now from your wages. I mean, wow. look, at, we'd be happy, uh, you know, happy the wrong word, but we'd be prepared to go to prison over this if that's what it took, uh, as other peace campaigners have. But I think in our case, they probably felt that parliamentarians being in prison would draw too much uh, attention to us. I mean, there's a very good... Uh, press coverage is beginning now to happen on, on Ken and Tarek's case. There's a you know, full-page article in one of the Sunday papers today uh, about them, and there's a peace walk starting next week. So I, I think we need to shout louder on them. I mean, they have basically been interned in Ireland, like not allowed their passports, and a lot of people who are accused of really serious crimes, murder, rape, whatever, appropriately are given... Um, bail because obviously innocent until proven guilty and all of that that was denied in their case originally and then when the the conditions were uh, appealed later on and when they did get out their passports were taken I mean this is just a joke like I mean except it's a, a scary joke because they've been living in Ireland now for about six months kind of reliant on the charity of others away from their family uh, and friends and with no end in sight, I mean, like the idea that they're going to not come back from their trial when their whole stance is a political stance, should they be looking forward to the trial? <laughs> they would, uh, but yes. Instead they've been, yeah, you know what I mean? But instead they've been interned in Ireland. Like it's an absolute outrageous breach of uh, their human rights and it really paints Ireland in a bad light. So I don't know what's going to happen there. I mean, uh, to be honest, I'm quite shocked at the way in which they've been treated already and and. I'd imagine most U.S. citizens will be outraged as well if they knew that their country, like Ireland, that's supposed to be, you know, democratic and human rights compliant, is behaving like this. It's, it's pretty scandalous. 
Well, it's good that you didn't go to prison, which fits with U.S. practices. You know, people in power don't go to prison, but uh, we've got millions of people <laughs> locked up over here, for, and many of them for uh, failing to pay fees and fines and even uh, inability to, to make bail pre-trial. Uh, it, it, we've got prison after prison stacked with those people. Uh, so, Well, we even had, we, we had a fellow making the news from America there who spent 36 years, I think, in prison in Alabama for being three strikes and you're out and his third one was that he stole fifty dollars. Right. And he spent thirty six years in prison. My God. I mean the American um penal system is it's almost the talk of the world now at this stage, isn't it? It's it's it is most definitely a sort of tactic of sort of racial subjugation nearly in terms of it's 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 incredible. Yeah. This it's is why up. uh this is why Ken and uh, and Tarek have uh, praised the, uh, the the jail they were put in, and and have told me that uh, that U.S. police should stop getting trained by by the Israeli military and should start getting trained by the by the Irish police. The Irish police are much nicer. I don't know. I don't well, know. I'm, I... I'm glad to hear that. Well, we've had our our battles there as well. Now I can tell you, we've had to have a few changes with them. Uh, recently over a lot of, of bad practice. But yeah, I mean, the prisons in Ireland are run as prisons should, well, they're supposed to be. I mean, obviously not as bad as the US, but like, you know, the whole idea behind prison should be to kind of rehabilitate people back into society. Like, you know, you're supposed to go to prison, not for punishment, but going there is your punishment and the time there should be used to make you a better member of society, like, you know, but we need to be keeping them out, like, we have changed the law, whereby people now uh, are, well, it still happens a bit, but it shouldn't happen at all, where people go to prison for non-payment of fines, I mean, that's that's an outrage in, in this day and age, you know, it means if you're rich, you can pay your way out, if you're poor, you end up in prison like that. It's an expensive uh, uh, class bias really as well isn't it because prison is so expensive anyway but i suppose you've got a lot of private prisons as well so somebody's making money out of it oh they are indeed uh i i have noticed in ireland a, a disturbing trend that uh, i've noticed in the united states and around the world uh related to censorship uh we we tried to put up billboards uh near shannon airport saying u.s troops out of shannon uh and they were ready to go ready to take our money put up the billboards until they saw the message was u.s troops out of shannon and they said that was unacceptable uh you know it, it, it and and we've run into this with a number of companies and we're now putting up billboards around around limerick that just announce our conference but don't say anything mm. offensive like u.s troops out of shannon airport uh i guess that's legal to simply censor views they don't want to to put up there well i mean and i mean you know when you're thinking you know you're paying good money like but somebody else higher than you who has more money is saying don't take this money i mean we have embarked on political campaigns with other messages where we've kind of attacked big business in different ways and big agriculture has been attacked attacked it's you know small words but i suppose criticized in terms of advertising through the vegan campaigns all of those happen why is the u.s one so special like you know um, I suppose these are private advertising spaces, so the people who own them can say, no, uh, we're not taking your money. But it does show the scale um, of the influence. It's really quite incredible. And everything is watched and everything is kind of lanced before it has the right to, I suppose, take legs and, and, and accelerate. Now, obviously, the, the media itself 
nominally uh, the free press in, in Ireland, but disappointing, to be honest, like a lot of the West media, uh, doesn't really hold the government to account on its issues uh, regarding Shannon. I mean, if they did, I think the Irish public would be a lot more emboldened. So while they don't, um, you know, ban the news or not cover the issues, they don't do it in any serious way, which yeah. means the public are not really as well informed as they should be. But sure, look, at that's kind of the way things are in, in a lot of the world, aren't they? The media who could play such a powerful role oh, yeah. uh, quite often don't. Well, the the media in Ireland uh, seems pretty bad, but better than than the United States. Uh, and and we did get some newspapers in Ireland to print ads saying, uh, at least they've said they will, saying uh, U.S. troops out of Shannon after we bought uh, some other ads just announcing the conference. Uh, and I think once you're buying a bunch of ads, they like you. They even come out and say, can you send us an article? We'll run a news article about your conference because you're buying ads. Uh, uh, which in the United States, they will ne- there, there's this vast pretense that advertising and editorial are completely separate and there's a brick wall between them, well, which is nonsense. But that pretense is maintained in the United States, mm. uh, where, of course, they wouldn't take our ads or our stories. So there's no there's no problem. <laughs> but, but, yeah. but in Ireland, no, well, they, at least we're a bit more honest about that. Yeah, no, you give them money and they'll put in your article. Yeah, no yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah, it's sad, really, isn't it? So, so what can we? Uh, do, do you think we'll be able to turn out a lot of people for this conference and rally? Do the people in Ireland care about getting U.S. troops out of their airports, or or is it that they would care if they knew it was happening? Yeah, I think I, I think it's more the latter. I mean, consistently, and we have in the last couple of years and and prior to that, like conducted. Um, opinion polls where time and again like people, there's a very clear majority of people who support Ireland's neutrality and indeed who who believe that US troops should not be uh, in Shannon or, or no other foreign troops. It's, it's generally just the US ones, but we don't want any of them like, but it's, it's only right. the US ones who usually come. Um, but and, and, and people do, but there isn't enough of awareness about it, about the scale of it. I mean, when we were members of the Irish Parliament, we would regularly work with the lads in, in Shannon Watch and we would, you know, question ministers on a on a monthly uh, basis about the activity going through. I mean, on one day you could have seven uh, planes coming through the airport. Now, maybe that doesn't sound like a lot to people in the US, but this is a regional airport where, like, maybe there might be maybe 40 planes in the whole day, maybe, you know. So, like, yeah. there's a lot of activity. And the only people sometimes you see down in that airport are, are U.S. military. So, yeah, pe- Irish people are concerned. And you like, get other people saying, yeah, no, but we, you know, we need the business, or some people would say that. But, no, most people don't want us really involved. So, look, at hopefully we can get uh, a crowd out. It's great that the conference is going to have a rally at, at Shannon. Um but look at every time people get together and discuss these issues and tease them out and develop connections, it's all part of a step in the right direction towards peace and, and against war. So we always together learn something and we develop our campaign. So I think it's going to be a really positive uh, event and I think we're, we're really looking forward to it. 
you you've mentioned uh, a couple times as well the European push for its own military. How are you how, how are you managing in Ireland to oppose both the the drive toward militarism from the US and NATO and on the other hand from from Europe and and what can the European Parliament do to push back? Well the Irish government's response is to basically roll over and play along. So uh, Ireland has gone along with all of the uh, measures we had PESCO last year. Now, PESCO has been kind of officially, sort of, or semi-officially called a, a forerunner. Tell, to, tell uh, people what, what PESCO means if they don't uh, know the acronym. God, now I, uh, now I have to remember. Uh, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, now I can't remember it. Uh, it's a permanent blah, blah. I, I don't like to security. Permanent European Security Cooperation Security Organization. Cooper- something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just been lovingly called PESCO now. So, but it it has been, I suppose, acknowledged as being the sort of uh, the first step towards uh, a European army. But all of these measures are kind of couched in terms of, so, oh no, we're just increasing investment in equipment. We're being uh, compatible and interoperable along our borders. This isn't to do with, uh, you know, threatening anybody. It, it's... Uh, you know, it's a protective measure for our borders. And, you know, nobody says, well, where's the threat coming from? Like, well, who's who's invading our borders? Like, why do we need to do this? So we've had a very serious situation where just before the European elections, which only took place in, in May, uh, the outgoing parliament voted for the first time a new European defence fund, which for the first time will allow defence expenditure come out of the main Budget, which is actually a, a game changer when you consider that they're also tapping into research and development money, transport money, education money. We're talking about a plan over the next decade to spend 51 billion of European subsidies to the arms industry on top of the ones that they get from all the countries anyway. And Ireland's response to that has been to basically say, Ah, no, look, we we cooperate with our neighbours. Ireland signed PESCO, 25 of the countries did. Um, But they say, oh, no, now we're only cooperating in some of the stuff, sharing machinery and on peace missions and that type of stuff. So, again, it's the double speak. It's the pretending that they're doing one thing, but actually digging themselves far deeper into something else. And and we know from the new... uh, the the new head of the commission, Ursula von der Leyen, the former German defence minister, was one of the architects of PESCO. Now she has the top job in the European Commission and will be accelerating that process for sure, particularly if Britain leaves, we see the beginnings of a European army accountable to who God only knows. And unfortunately, I mean, to be honest, that's one of the reasons why myself and my colleague Mick Wallace decided to contest the European elections. Um, we've been quite happy and effective in the Irish Parliament, but we find a lot of what's happening in Europe is just taking place without a credible voice for Ireland or actually a lot of the citizens of Europe. So we wanted to get in before uh, some of these things are actually uh, finalised. So the Parliament only restarts on the 2nd of September. Hasn't really been up and running since, since the new Parliament is in place, but that's going to be a key a strategic part of, of our work there is in defence of, of peace, uh, speaking out uh, for a, a better uh, voice for, for Europe. Like, and, and how many allies do you think you'll have in the European Parliament? Does the European Parliament uh, largely support creating a European army? 
Uh, yeah, I would think so. Well, in the sense of the reflection of the party, so it's new. This is a new parliament, so we don't really know the full breakdown. There are 750 members of the parliament. If Britain leaves, that will go down to about 700. Um, so you're talking about a lot of the parties that dominate would be sort of, I suppose, the more traditional right-wing parties, the establishment parties, which would be reflective of the governments of Europe. Uh, and then some of the mainstream, I suppose, social democracies and that as well. We have a growing, out of the disenfranchisement with the European establishment, there's a growing uh, right-wing, far-right, racist element, unfortunately, as well, which has raised its head. Um, the left in the European Parliament is pretty small, maybe 50 or 60 people. Um, but there would be some Greens, there would be some Liberals who would have, uh, I suppose, a... Uh, a peace view as well, some of the social democracies also. Um, but we don't know. It's, it's, it's early days, so we don't know where our allies will be. But some of the initial debates that we've had on issues like Venezuela and Iran, they've been pretty poor, really, to be honest, <laughs> um, in terms of uh, am I hopeful for an independent European stance? Not really, but sometimes pressure can come to bear, like, say, on Iran, for example. There was, I suppose, they were a bit more independent of, of U.S. think on it than they would be, say, on issues like Venezuela. So it is possible, because obviously Europe has huge economic interests in Iran and doesn't want to have, uh, <laughs> you know, war or a nuclear yeah. deal uh, there. But, I mean, again, the influence of Israel, I suppose, the influence of the U.S. is another counterweight on, on the other side as well. We've got just a couple of minutes left. You know, some of us hoped that there would be a silver lining to electing someone as, uh, if electing is the right word, uh, someone as obnoxious and and blatant and open about his aggression and criminality as as Donald Trump. Does does it not help at all to build opposition to U.S. militarism uh, to have someone like Trump uh, leading the 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 image of the the U.S. government? Yeah, I mean, that's something I would have thought as well, actually. Um, and there's no doubt about it, the sort of the the vileness of the directness of what, you know, he does certainly ha has helped, I suppose, in some ways. The problem is, is the reaction that is channeled by the mainstream media and the mainstream political parties is to be very sort of, you know, outraged, holier-than-thou, high moral ground response, which actually alienates people further, you know. Uh, it doesn't work. It's the reason why he got elected in the first place. Uh, and the European establishment replicating that type of sort of snobbery uh, doesn't really work with people. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does, but it helps in some ways, but I suppose it complicates things in another way. I mean, the media could not fawn over... Barack Obama enough, but he was essentially doing a lot of the same stuff like uh, as, as as Trump is right. doing in terms of, of the military. Right. But it was just that contradiction, you know. They they loved him because he was good looking, he was articulate, and he hid the message, and he just did a lot of the same stuff, but just did it so much nicer. 
Well, I had hoped that having Trump in place of that uh, Obama would have would have helped us more in in pushing back. Mm. Uh, maybe maybe it still will. Uh, we can hope. Claire Daly is an Irish politician who is now a member of the European Parliament, having for years been a member of of Ireland's Parliament. Uh, Claire Daly will be speaking at No War 2019, a conference you can find at WorldBeyondWar.org. Claire, thank you very very much for coming on. Talk Nation Radio. Thanks a million for having us. This is Talk Nation Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. All past shows can be heard at davidswanson.org. Talk Nation Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. If you are listening to a non-profit station, please support that station. Talk Nation Radio is funded by contributors at davidswanson.org. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. Until next time.